Last week, David, with those 400 men, if you remember, uh, they came to him along with his family. All the disgruntled, broke, dead, uh, feeling people came to David in the cave. And David became the captain over those people, and he came out of the cave. When he came out of the cave, chapter 26 of 1 Samuel tells us that in the, in the beginning lines of that script, of that passage, that Saul, his father-in-law, which is still the king, gets word that David is in the wilderness. He's hiding in the hills of Hachalah. And so Saul gathers, the Bible says, uh, in verse 2 that Saul gets his men together and they go uh, camping in the wilderness as well. They're actually on the opposite side. If you can imagine a location over here in the wilderness and a location over here in a deep ravine in the middle or a valley, that's kind of what this picture looked like. And so David is with his 400 men, in verse 2, as I told you, said Saul rallied up his 3,000 men to go after David. But verse 4 tells us in this same chapter that David gets some, some intel of his own. You don't have the scripture, but the Bible just says David, when he heard about Saul being in the wilderness coming after him, David in response to that, he sent out spies and he really had the proof he needed that Saul was there with 3,000 people. And so after he got that intel, he went to Ahimelech and he went to another man named Abishai and he walked up to him and he faced him. He said, the information that I've received is accurate. And about that time, he asked the question that everybody wanted to hear, knowing the report. Who will go down there with me? And about that time, Ahimelech did that. And Abishai said, I'll go with you. And that's exactly what happened. They went. Abishai agreed to go. And they saw indeed that Saul and his entire company was down there. And while he was there, Saul had positioned himself right in the middle of the camp with 3,000 of his men all the way around him for his own protection. So he was, he was stationed in his sleeping bag right in the middle of those 3,000 people. And in the middle of those 3,000 people, Saul was laying there. And it was at night, and David and Abishai went down there, and they saw the entire camp there. Now, you, you've got to get a mental picture of this to really understand and appreciate this. And they walked and made their way down through 3,000 people at night while they slept. And here was Saul laying down. And he was just sleeping like a good old king that's secure with 3,000 mighty men around him could sleep. And about that time, Abishai said, Oh, king, it's on now. God has put your enemy right here before you. Let me take this spear and drive it straight through him to the ground. I won't have to do it two times. And then David said, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He said, there is, he said something will happen in God's will and God's time that will take care of the king. He said, but there is absolutely no way. You can touch the, the Lord's anointed. You can't take into your own hand you can't take vengeance because he said vengeance is mine. It's mine. I got the copyright to it. I own it. I'll take care of it the way I want to. You got to honor my word, though, David, and you can't touch the anointed. 
And Abishai said, but man, if you will let me just handle this right now, this man that's been breathing down your neck, he won't be no more. David said, you can't do that. And we won't do that. He said, but there is a spear and there's a jug right by his head. His head. You can grab that. And so that's what Abishai did. He grabbed the spear and he grabbed the jug and they walked out. The same way they walked in, past 3,000 people. Now, the Bible says that this all happened because of what takes place. I'll start with verse 11 for time's sake. The Lord forbid. He's still talking to Abishai about this killing thing. He said, the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee. Go ahead and take the spear that is in, at his uh, bolster and the cruise of water, the jug, and, and we'll go. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster and they got them away and no man saw it or knew it. Neither did they awake for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Now, this should have been a hands-down victory for Saul. Not 3,000 to 401, but 3,000 to 2. But you see, when you make up your mind, and this is all I'm talking to you about today, when you make up your mind and it's in your heart because God knows what's in your heart, regardless of what comes out of your mouth, God knows your heart. When you make your mind up in your heart that you are going to do the right thing anyway, God responds in a great and mighty way, friends. You'll never go wrong going right. You'll never ever go wrong Honoring the word of God, whether your family likes it or not, whether people make fun of you or not, or whether people believe you or not, or believe it or not, you'll never ever go wrong doing what God has laid out to do. It's not going to be popular. There's not going to be a broad way of people walking down it doing it. And we know that from last week. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but straight and narrow is the way that leads home. And the Bible tells us that David really understood why he couldn't do it. Because over in Psalms, later on, uh, in fact, it's Psalm 105. The psalmist would later say, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. So David knew with, that when God raised up a king, because he had raised him up, you see. When God raised up a king... It was God fulfilling his will in his life, whether he lived righteous or he lived wrong and sinful. It was God's anointed for the hour. And don't anybody get too far off the track today. But God knows who Vladimir Putin is. God knows who Joe Biden is. God knows who Zelensky is. God knew who Abraham Lincoln was and George Washington and Donald Trump and Barack Obama and Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter. God knew them all. God raised them up because God does what he wants to, you see, with who he wants to. And he don't need my Republican or my Democrat permission to do that. He don't need it, you see. And David understood why that's a king like I'm a king. God anointed him, and when God's through with his purpose for raising him up, God will take care of him, and God will remove him, just like he's going to do with me. But I don't have permission, even as a king, to go against the word of God. Hint, hint, hint. I don't care how high and mighty you think you are in God or in the world. God will never give you permission to work outside of his word. You'll never get so far in the kingdom or in the eyes of God that you can work around his word, meaning you'll never get to a place where God will understand 
that you can forsake the assembling of yourselves when he says, don't you do it, when God says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse because it's mine. Well, I do this. This counts for my tithes. You can't work outside of God's word, church. See, we live in, and I'm not going to get into a long, drawn-out thing here, but we live in a society that has been influenced from hell that lets people manipulate the Word of God in their mind to make it what they want. See, when people don't like what God's Word says, they come up with a doctrine of their own and they say it's God's Word because they just can't commit to the entire Word of God. And when you do that, you got to watch out because you're walking on dangerous grounds. He said, don't you change it. Not a jot, not a tittle. Don't you do anything with the Word. And folks, we got to be careful because, again, for the second or third time today, the trumpet of God is about to sound. And the dead in Christ will rise first. But then those of us that are alive and remain on this earth, we're going to be called up together with them. And my job week in and week out is to remind you of that blessed hope that we have and to make sure I do everything not to confuse you and, or, or to, to try to steer you in a comfortable direction to keep you off of the straight and narrow path. I want the people from this ministry and this church to be able to spot it from a mile away. That's the straight and narrow path. It's not the popular path, but it's the straight one. And I know people don't like the straight one, but I'm preaching the straight one because that's the only one home, honey. And I want you home with me because I'm going. So here's the deal. The spear and the sword, this should have never, the spear and the jugra, this should have never happened, you see. It should have never taken place. But what it was, was God's way of showing David. Now, you can't do this right here because you got to keep my word because you're the king and people are going to be watching you. And when you quote my word later on, people will either listen to you or they won't listen to you. I'm not going to let you have his head right now. I'm not going to put his head in your possession. But I will allow something to be put in your hand. He said, so there's a jug and a spear right there. To show you that if you do the right thing, I'm still going to give you proof that I'm God and I'm working. By the way, these 3,001 men right here, they dead to the world. I'm the great anesthesiologist, and I didn't even word, but I just had to throw it out there because I'm red, okay. And I've got them all knocked out, and they ain't going to work out. Now, what will happen at the church, probably beginning with my spouse and then on down, I'll have a lot of people to tell me uh, how to really pronounce an anesthesiologist. The real way you're supposed to say it. And David walked through these people with a man that had enough faith to go with him. There's another hint for today. Where two or more are gathered together in my name. That's why husbands and wives need to be as one. There I am in the midst. So it didn't matter if they were 3,000, 30,000, or 3 million. Because, see, God was about to put a deep sleep on all them people. They had not only to not tiptoe through there, but they had a full-blown conversation about killing the king or not killing the king, and nobody ever woke up, and they got the stuff and left. So church, God is still in the business of doing whatever he needs to do in your life if you will make up your mind. I'm going to do the right thing anyway and honor God's word. Now see, we want God to perform all the miracles. Oh, we love the blessing word because that's always attached with money. You know, God, if it ain't money, it ain't a blessing. You see, we don't talk about healthy children and a warm house and clothes and a refrigerator full of food. That ain't a blessing. Only blessing we understand is money. But let me tell you something. God blesses you every day when you breathe through these nostrils and you walk on these two feet. God wakes you up every day, loading you down with benefits is what his word says. So whatever, 
happened that night, nobody knew it. Not one soul but David and the man that had enough faith to go with him when the odds were ridiculous. That's why, hallelujah, I love it when the Lord just decides to put some more stuff in this message like this right here. That's why the Lord says, if God is for you, who can be against you? That's why the Lord is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above. Who in their right mind? This was the scripture, by the way. We walk by faith, not by sight. Who in their right mind, even with the king that was bad as David, that had killed Goliath and the bear and the lion, who, who, you tell me, would go with one other man in the middle of 3,000 people that had murder on their mind? Nobody would. But if you're a man or a woman or a teenager or a child of faith, you don't see anybody but God. And that's where God's trying to get the preacher to get the people to, where you don't see or hear anything but what God has said because it's the only permanent thing in your life, friend. The only thing. And so David goes with the proof. He goes with what God was good enough to give him with. I'm not going to give you that because that ain't what you suppose. That's mine right there. I'll get that when it's time to get that. God gave him proof that he was moving. And David did the right thing when other people tried to talk him out of it. Oh, you don't need to do that. It was their fault. You don't need to forgive. It was their fault. You don't need to give them an explanation at work. You don't need to give them an explanation at school. They, they did. See, the devil will always try to talk you out of doing the right thing because the right thing to do is what God said to do. And if you want, the God, if you want God to honor more in your life, in your business, on your job, in your family, in your body, in your mind, in your wallet, Honor God's word and watch what he does, church. I feel like I'm pre preaching basic Bible 101, but I'm good with that today. It goes back to just doing the right thing. If you want to be the he-man of the world or the he-woman of the world, don't do what the world's doing. Don't do your children like the world's doing their children. Don't do your life. Don't pattern your life after the world. You do what God says to do, and I can show you a young teenage Mary that was chosen above every other girl on the whole earth. I can show you a Joseph. I can show you a Daniel. I'm showing you a David. I can show you all kind of people that wasn't even out of puberty yet, but God saw that they honored his word, and God did more for them than any human on the planet could ever do for them. Honor God's word in spite of everything, even your own understanding, and God will far exceed your expectations. See, we like quick fixes. We like to get out quick. We like to just see if, if we can cheat here and there and just ignore. You, you can't ignore. When God says to do things, you can't ignore it because it would make your flesh feel better or it would keep a posse going or it, 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 would, it would get you more attention at work or it would get you more attention on uh, social media. You've got to step out of your comfort zone, which is usually the world, and just say, look, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all I know. And the old scripture, Joshua 24. As for me, you can be a teen, you can be unmarried, you can be single, you can have a house full, but you've got to live this principle. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. That means we're going to always honor God and what God's word has said. You see, God's just brought an interesting thing to my, my mind. See, I have ran into this pastoring more times than I even want to even talk about. But we live in a society that thinks that certain things compensate, and I'm going to give you God's view of this. Certain things we do just satisfies or causes God to wink at other things, meaning I can serve God preaching and all this, but I can have a problem with Wanda. And like God's going to overlook that because I got a problem with Wanda. Or I know that my neighbor has been stealing dandelions out of my yard. 
I don't have them kind of neighbors, but God send them. And I get so upset about that. And I won't go and just say, neighbor, look, I know we don't see eye to eye on everything, but look, man, God blessed me with them dandelions. Or all of hell did. And they're my dandelions. And if you would only ask me, I'd let you get them dandelions. All you ever wanted. And it's caused friction. And it's damning up my prayer life because I've got needs. My family has. I've got unsaved loved ones that's about to be left here. And I bought a book to leave here because I'm not willing to deal with you. And I'm just going to leave them here to fry for seven years and be beheaded or boiled in oil or whatever sick thing goes on during that time. I'm just going to leave them here. Because I'm not dealing with God is not going to wink at me because I'm a preacher and I won't deal with my neighbor that's putting dandelions in my yard. I got good neighbors, by the way. But does anybody hear what I'm saying today? See, what we've got to understand is God's word, a lot of you know this term, is infallible. That, it's error free. There's nothing wrong with God's word. It took a miracle for God's word to even be put together over the course of centuries that it was written for it to wind up like it is. That in itself is a miracle. Amen. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? That's a miracle. And see, and when you do the right thing, when you do the right thing, God can cause your enemy to even bless you. I'll prove it to you. Just a few scriptures down in verse 25. Then Saul said to David, after David they had this confrontation on that side of the ravine and that side of the ravine, and he said, I could have killed you. I'm paraphrasing big time. Go home and read the whole chapter. I could have killed you last night. Abner, you ought to be killed because you let somebody come in that, that could have destroyed the king, your Lord. He said, you ought to be killed for that. And about that time, he held up the spear and the jug. And Saul said, oh, my goodness, is that my son? Is that my son, David? Is that your voice? He said, yes, it is. And you need to read the whole story. But the bottom line is, after he figured out that he could have died that night, but the grace of God wouldn't allow that to happen, then Saul said to David, blessed be thou, my son, David. Thou shalt both do great things and also shall still prevail so David went on his way and Saul returned to his place and the reason this is so important I've talked about the Lord coming back but lawlessness you see is one of the indicators that the end times would be not only upon us but the rapture would be right on us and lawlessness is everywhere that means everything's okay and if you've got any type of a brain or ears or eyes, you know that there's nothing wrong at all with sin. Amen? Sick sin. Down to almost, almost legalizing, molesting children in California. That's just giving it to you blunt and all this other. You live in a sick world. We thought Sodom and Gomorrah was about, honey, look, you are, you are defeating the sickness of Sodom and Gomorrah living in America right now. We live in a sick world. It's because lawlessness is here. And they can't nobody of people in Washington fix it because it's a sin problem. And the Bible says when the Lord comes back, lawlessness would be out of control. And along with lawlessness is the spirit of entitlement. Can everybody hear me right now? I want you to hear this. Lawlessness, a lot of lawless, lawlessness is the spirit of entitlement. It means what I want. If it feels good, do it. If, if, if it's what everybody else is doing, it must be all right. It must be okay. That's, that's a spirit, folks. Lawlessness, it's a spirit. And it's, it's entitlement. You know that it's about everybody. Everybody is okay and accepted these days, but bona fide, legit Christians. 
They are one in Frankie. Every, every, every other, every group you can think of is okay and is, is accepted. But you bring up a blood-bought, sold-out child of God that's just telling people, no, that's wrong. You can't do just any old kind of thing. You can't live any old kind of way. They will not only try to lock you up, they will label you and lock you out of every checking account you got. They will say, hey, 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 what you doing? You hate crime looking person, you. I'm breaking it down today, you know. I'm going to regret a lot of things I say or the way I said a lot of things later on. But I'm, I'm telling you, folks, it's so serious. I don't even know sometimes what to do other than get on my face and pray. Because if you look out around you and you see even church people chasing the patterns of the world, you're saying, God, what in the world? But God's promised the preacher of multitudes. Before the trumpet sounds, it might not be a big one, but we're going to see revival and the flow of the Holy Ghost like we've never seen people's marriages put back together, lost sons and daughters coming back home, addictions broken and we're going to see all kind of bondages crushed and put under the foot. God's promised me that, but I've got to keep the Word of God. I've got to do the right thing. I've got to preach when I think everybody's going to have me for Sunday dinner. God says, you better preach it anyway because there's a wonderful chance they're not going to hear it nowhere else. I'm not the only one preaching the Word of God, but I want to tell you this. When you get in that Camry and you start driving down Highway 79, all of hell jumps in and wants to carpool with me every Sunday. And I'm a big boy because Jesus Christ is riding in the driver's seat and he's letting me sit in the passenger seat. And I know as long as I preach his word, then I'm good with God. And if I'm good with God, I don't care about the world. So God tells me every week, he'll send a testimony from Alabama or from Florida, or like this week, Washington, D.C., God will say, son, you just do the right thing. I got a spear and a jug somewhere there for you. Just get it and hold it until I'm through. Because David knew this. He might have been running in and out of caves and wilderness, but he was going to do the right thing because he was on his way to the palace. And he would get to the palace sooner or later. And the Bible says, if we don't weep and if we don't fall weary to doing well, then we're going to see him face to face one day. Don't faint while you're doing good. Just follow God's word. Do the right thing. Every time God puts a little spear or a little jug, just be happy with that because he, like last week, that started a good work in you is faithful to complete it. All right. Now, there's a quote I heard on TV the other night. And Angie texted it to me so I would remember to tell you. And it says, today we need David-like leaders in these Goliath-like days. So see, we got a lot of people. I'm going to say a lot of Ahimelech's. But the Abishai's, oh no. Mm-mm, I'll stay here and watch after everybody. Make sure nobody don't steal our stuff. But I want to have an Abishai heart. If God ain't using me to be David, God use me to be Abishai. Let me go because I'd rather die living than staying back here dying. And that's what God's doing in the church. He's raising up a remnant. He's raising up an army of all the virgins slept, I told you. But some of them, five of them at least shook their head and said, wait a minute, he's about to come. We got to get with this thing because we're going to be left behind. And God's raising an army up at multitudes. We're showing up on Sundays. We're showing up on Wednesdays, and God is showing us. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to get it done. I just need to see if you're willing to come along with me. So this is what it looks like, what doing the right thing looks like. 
Romans 12, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him a drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. But Peter went on to say, don't return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. See, a lot of times your hand don't have to do anything. Your tongue's already murdered somebody. Jesus would later go on to say, uh, the law says you shall not murder, but I say whoever hates his brother and runs his mouth about his brother, he's already committed murder in his heart. And that's why it says, and his lips from speaking deceit, let him turn away from evil and do good, verse 11. Let him seek peace and pursue that. Blessed are the peacemakers, by the way. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Amen. And do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled. But sanct here we go. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed, for it is better. Say, everybody say, it is better. If, the, if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And I want to add just a footnote to that. Evil? Well, I don't do evil. The Bible says, Daddy's back there, taught us our whole life. And I've told you this dozens of times. James said, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That's evil, my friend. So, the Bible says also in Matthew chapter 5. And this is the last scripture I'm going to read to you. And I want you to get this in your heart. But I say to you, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. See, David did all this stuff, you see. That's why God left him with something while he was working in his life on his way to the palace God put something there love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So just be content for right now, church, with the spear and the jug for now for doing the right thing. And watch what God will do in your life. I want you to stand reverently everywhere if you're physically able to do that and I want you to ask yourself a question folks because I'm going to tell you a term that people use all the time but I'm learning people don't under even in the Pentecostal ranks people don't understand the term or phrase I should say of spiritual warfare you see because lawlessness is here in such a way as it is because it is folks the devil has really picked up the pace I, I've referred to Billy twice today and I'm not going to go into detail but I want to tell you Satan is so desperate he may not have to go into a deep dark sin with you or yours or in your life all he's got to do is use your tongue. All he's really got to do 
is just try to get you to do what old Abishai, I talked about the good things, about what he wants to take God's role and take care of the vengeance. See, there's four things that I pray. When, when uh, Caitlin and Tyler lived over here in Heritage Place, I'd pray this all the time. And I still pray it. I'd pray for the four hours while I was praying for Ron Cheek. I'd say, God, I pray today for restitution. That means if somebody's done somebody wrong, make them do the right thing. I pray, God, for revival. God, we need revival. Nothing else is going to address this. We need, nobody likes this, this phrase, old-fashioned, because it dates everything. Well, I'm sorry. We need to go back to our first love, our first work. That's, that's old. And I also pray, God, for reconciliation. And I pray for restoration. I prayed those four hours for years. Because, see, the other part of my prayer is one I'll tell you recently. I pray about unity. The upper room, Acts chapter 2, spells out what I just explained. And when God's people get together, in spite of everything, see, we're dealing with a situation right now without bringing a lot of attention, where people are being ostracized for their faith, made fun of, and then want to try to smooth it over and even lie about it after the fact. But you got to do the right thing. You got to serve God. You got to worship God. You got to represent God because if you don't, the rocks will cry out. And you might be riding by the rocks when they are ordered to cry out by God. So, my mouth's going to be filled with praise. My hands, the instrument that I want to be, they're going to be lifted high. But I'm going to do the right thing, church. You can get together today and ask me to leave say, Man, look, the church is just going in. It's just too strange of a direction. And I know where that would come from, first of all. And I get that. But I tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't change one thing about the way I'm preaching. I wouldn't change one thing about prayer at the, uh, at the end of the month. I wouldn't change one thing about what I'm doing every Wednesday night. I wouldn't change one thing what I do Sunday afternoon when I get home and that's watch more church and hear more word with my wife. I wouldn't change a thing. I'm not going to punish God because people that profess to know Jesus absolutely know nothing about Jesus. Not going to do it. So today, the jug and the spears right here. In fact, I'm going to leave the jug right there and I'm going to put the spear over here. We've got two, two sections in the church. And I don't know if, if you just need God to remind you. See, this is kind of one of them different altar invitations. I don't know if you need God to remind you that, that, that he's got a jug, he's got a spirit. If you'll keep doing the right thing, God's going to put something in your hand. He's going to give you peace, at least, that passes understanding. While he completes you coming out of the cave and doing the right thing while you're on the run, while we're on our way home, while we're on our way to the palace. I just need peace, Sophie. I made my mind up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to church. I'm carrying mine to church. I'm going to be involved in church. I'm going to give. We're going to pray. I'm going to be in the Word. I'm going to give out books as much as I can. I'm going to leave them where I am. But I'm going to do the right thing. Now, I might lose my job. My children may say, well, well, I'm not talking to you this week and give me the cold shoulder because you're changing what's going through your home. Your home's not really a sanctuary, folks. It's got everything from hell playing through it on every device all kind of language you partaking in all kind of things it looks nothing like a church you might have to clean up a lot of stuff to do the right thing but I'm telling you he said that if you do the right thing he will not only put the enemy asleep for you won't even have to fight man he just what he won't on, he's waiting on somebody to just step outside of the comfort zone and say I'll go I'll do it here I am, Lord, send me, because I know you're going with me. Don't be afraid. You're not by yourself. There are more for you. So I don't know if you need God to give you some kind of just peace or a sign 
or you're here today and you say, look, I'm struggling with doing the right thing. Doing what the word. I'm going to be labeled. People's going to misunderstand me. People's going to say, well, it's your fault. It's your fault. You did that. You did that. You did that. They're going to, this situation I'm referring to, they're going to say, blowing it out of context. All kinds of excuses are always given. To anything to stop doing the right thing. But the Lord wants to send revival to your life and to this church. Who here just wants to do the right thing, even if your flesh don't want to do the right thing? God said to let you come to this altar right now today. Now, it's about to get thick with you and the devil. Now, I'm going to put that out there. He's going to try to justify everything in your head right now. He's going to rob you. He's just holding his breath till you get out this door into your car. But you need to put your foot down somewhere, man. You need to understand this is warfare. This ain't some online game you're playing. This is the real deal right here. This is, this is the devil, the prince of the power of the air, trying to orchestrate all kinds of hell in your life, all kind of confusion, all kind, all kind of anxiety, all kinds of things. He's trying to do this. You got to turn it over, man. You got to say, God, nuh-uh. I'm getting my spear today. I'm getting my jug today. I need it. I, I, I go to church every week, and I let the devil win. Somebody's going to see me, and they're going to say, I, I knew it. That's the first thing. Your flesh hadn't died since we were in praise earlier. You got to crucify your flesh. Last week, I was about to make a statement. I was standing right here. I, 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 the Lord said, you, I'm not in it. You better not say it. And I was scared because I know how close I was about to say it. Wasn't anything bad. So you got to crucify your flesh. You think, that, you think that the devil wants you to come to an altar where you, first of all, the altar is a, a place of everything that's right in my life. And I don't go to the altar because something's wrong. I'm going because everything's right. I got a God that loves me that's going to call for me real soon. And I'm not going to let the devil deny me of worshiping. So God, people have gathered today at this altar because you're the God that gives us peace. You're the God of the jug and the spear. And you're able to even shut the enemy completely down. And he don't even know what hit him, Lord. You're able to keep them all asleep while you perform a miracle. And God, and I pray over the people today, oh Lord, that in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would help people to see when we do the right thing, it gives you the green light to go, go on in our life with all kinds of things, Lord. And God, remind me today, you're always waiting on me. I'm not waiting on you to wake up or decide if you're going to keep your word and do what you said you would do if I'd move. You're always waiting on the people, Lord. Your spirit is always flowing. You are a river, God. There's everything from, from relationship with children to siblings to spouses to employers. I've already said to schools, uh, neighbors. And then we got this whole global crisis going on. And, and we need some fire down here right now. We need some fire in the body of Christ. So, Lord, here we are. We want to get purged today so you can do what you want to do, Lord. We're on our way to heaven. We're on our way to the palace, God. And we're going to do whatever we need to do, God, until that day happens. Every person that's not a believer here online, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm tired of this baggage of sin. It's labeled me. I've offended you. I've offended the cross. I've offended your grace, God, and I'm sorry. If you don't forgive me, Lord, if I don't ask you to forgive me, then I will have to suffer for all eternity. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would forgive me right now. Wash me, 
I release my way of thinking, my way of living. Have your way in me, God. The Bible says if you pray that and you mean it, God is faithful and just. Now while everybody has your eyes closed, I'm just obeying the Lord. And I'm going to do exactly what I'm telling you that God's asked me to do. I want you to ask yourself, Lord, what do I need to do? If you don't know, I'm asking you to ask God right now in prayer, God, reveal to me in any and every area of my life where I am not doing the right thing, the righteous thing. God, I'm asking you because not only am I a shepherd, Lord, but I'm a husband, I'm a, I'm a daddy, I'm a granddaddy, I, I, I'm a father-in-law, I'm a, I, I'm a son-in-law, Lord. I'm a friend, Lord. God, what do I need to do, Lord? And God, if I already know, help, help me to do it. Help me just to do it, Lord, without apology or explanation. Help me to do it, God. If I need to go to somebody, if I need to go fix something that I broke, if I need to pay back something that I took and it wasn't rightfully mine, God, if I just need to stand my ground on the Word and not be discouraged because it seems like things are going unaddressed in my life, Lord, give me the faith, Lord. But God, help me to know that all things do work together for good. Joe, can we do I give myself away? Because that's what needs to happen before we leave. I give myself away. Now I need you to do that. Don't just sing it. I give myself away. So you can use me. So you can use me. I give myself away. This needs to be a prayer today, folks. I give myself away so you can. We're going to do that again. I give myself away. Let him hear you and mean it today. I give myself away so you can use me. Give Myself away. That's what I'm doing, Lord. I give myself away. My life is not my own. Because my life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself. I give myself. My life, my life is not my own, to you I belong, Lord, I give myself, I give myself to you. Do my life one more time and mean it, folks. Oh, my life is not my own, Lord, to you I belong, I give myself. I give myself, now I give myself away, cause I give myself away, and do it, do it, do it, give your pride, give everything away, I give myself away. The Lord's asking me, would you sing that to him one more time? somebody means it right now I give myself hallelujah hallelujah do you realize that part though that my life your life is not your own 
We're singing it, but it's not, Lord, I give myself away. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. God, we would be content. Spear, chug, peace, hug, prayer, tear, money, a, a restful night, whatever you give us to hold us and keep us and show us the proof that you're working, Lord, and you're going to handle it. God, help us to be content with it. God, help me to do the right thing in this world of lawlessness. God, help me to do the right thing. In the name of Jesus, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, be accepted. When I pray the Lord bless and keep you, make his face shine on you. Lord, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance toward you and God would give you peace in the holy name of Jesus. And folks, before you leave, I cannot tell you too many times that if you've never gotten a book, it's critical. I'm going to tell you how serious it is, and I probably am repeating myself, but I found myself doing it, almost not doing it, but then doing it. When I was at the drive-thru at Biscuitville this morning, after repenting over my road rage with the person in front of me that I thought was ordering breakfast for a family reunion. Uh, I pulled up to the window and I put the, the I had it in dry. The Lord done this one other time before. What if I come back right now? And I dismissed it because all that going on. But I, I, I put it in neutral. Now, see, I'm about to lose a lot of people right here because you won't have me working on. But I put it in neutral because if the Lord comes back, I don't want my car selling off, hitting somebody and killing them. Because uh, uh, obviously they're not ready to go. All right? And so my reason for saying that is because it's that real to me, you see. I don't just stand up here and preach this stuff. It is so I look every day. I don't need no more news. I don't need no more rockets. The whole thing of the food shortage and all that. I, I, I know all this stuff's around the corner. I know they're about to crank it up the summer and the fall again to get all the people worked up and wound up again and show you refrigerated trucks and, you know, all the stuff that people enjoy doing it. But I'm looking for Jesus, you see. I'm looking for Jesus. And so, I want you to get a book. Until I hate it if we go into Monday and there's books here. Now, if you've ordered some, like if you gave $30 because you wanted 10 books, we're putting a post-it note. So if you go in that room right there, don't touch them books in there they're spoken for. But they're at that box back there at that information desk. And then also, if you want to give toward the book ministry or toward the church, Springfield Church, or Ukraine, put it on an envelope or you can give online. And notice, multitude's name wasn't mentioned in all that. And God knows we could use a gully washer right now, but I, I know that God's going to meet the needs of this church if we'll... Do what God's telling us to do, okay? So I love you. And if, if the rapture doesn't happen, I'll be real concerned if I don't see you on Wednesday night, all right?